Let me uh, start by reading uh, Romans chapter 6, and it's on page, where have I got it? Here we are. Page 942. It'll really help you to find page 942, because although it's on the screen at the moment, uh, it won't be there all the time. So, page 942, Romans chapter 6. Let me read. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin, that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe we also will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives... He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Another reason to keep the Bible open is because I keep forgetting to press the button and I <coughs> leave you in the wrong place. Verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as sins to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, 
you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now that you have been set free from death and you become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, let me pray and we'll get into understanding what that part of the Bible is trying to tell us. Father, we do want to thank you that uh, you do uh, bring our lives into line with the life of Jesus. And we thank you, therefore, that that brings great hope to us in our struggles today. And so we pray you help us to understand from the Bible what it means to live this new life that you have so wonderfully given us as a free gift. And help us, Father, we pray, to live it better in the days ahead because we understand what you have to teach us. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. We are actually talking about starting a new life, aren't we? So let me ask you, I want to start a new life. What advice would you give me to live a new life? Yep. Keep Debbie. Keep Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's part of the old life that isn't going to be new and... Uh, <clears throat> Yet, I think, stops it getting even worse. So, <laughs> definitely, uh, that's uh, a great idea. Reinvent yourself. Reinvent myself? In what way? Uh, like, other than people think, if you want a, a new life, it has to be drastically different yep. from the one they're living now. Yep. So, if you reinvent yourself, change your name, dye your hair, yep. get a tattoo, yep. then, you, then, then you might be someone that you want to be. Yes, yes. Uh, that that is that is that is certainly that is certainly the option. I can imagine the I, I I can't I didn't hear what I didn't hear what Abigail said, but I I could see your expressions and thinking that really I ought not to go there. But do you think the Bible might give me some good advice about uh, how to uh, change myself? Yes, no. Because the first five chapters of Romans has told us there is no one righteous. Change is out of reach. We are all, we saw last week, children of Adam. We've got his genes in us that make us go wrong. And therefore, self-change is absolutely impossible. But chapter 6 does tell us how it can happen. The way you can change, the only way anyone can change is you get to live someone else's life. You never change your own life. But you can get to live someone else's life. Interested? Well, let's look and see. That's what he's saying. Live Jesus's life as, uh, whoops, uh, as the first heading that I want to look at today. Because chapter 6, verse 3 says that if someone wants to lead a new life, you have to kill them first. Uh, 
no other way. That's uh, what uh, is needed. So chapter 6 verse 3 says that do you not know all of us who have been baptized into Christ, uh, Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. The first thing that we've got if we're going to start new lives is to die. And baptism is a visual aid of that, isn't it? It's where you go underwater. Now normally when we think about someone going underwater we're thinking of death by drowning. But in this case, in chapter 6, verse 4, Paul says it's more like a burial. And we know how uh, ultimately final that is. So the old life has died. It's hard to believe because I seem to be standing here in my old life the way I used to be. But at the very deepest level, when someone becomes a Christian, the old life dies. And if that's how God looks at a believer, that is the reality, not what, we, what it feels like to look at with our eyes. The reality is that when a person becomes a Christian, that old person dies and a new life then begins. And the new life Jesus gives us is uh, the life we now live in chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 as Christ was raised from the dead so we too might walk in newness of life for if we be united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his and so God tells you your life now if you're a believer is the Jesus life now that is true. If he says it is true and that's how he sees it, take it from him. That is reality for you. And you might want to see how that reality can change. Uh, that's his death. And just imagine yourself and this life as life in a prison. And you want to get out the prison. You want to live this new life. And what happens? You break out the prison, you climb over the wall, and you try and escape. But the trouble is, when they catch you, you end up back inside the prison because that's where you belong. If you're guilty, you are back in the place of punishment. You are ultimately not going to escape because that's your home. That's where you deserve to be. But what happens? if uh, ultimately uh, we have, uh, uh, you've done your time and uh, you then not go over the wall, you go through the front door and you go out into a whole new life. And at that point, if the prison governor comes to the door and shouts, hey, come back, come back, come back, you can smile sweetly and say no. And if he shouts louder and asks more persistently, well, you can, don't even need to turn around. You can give him messages in other ways, can't you? You don't have to return. That's the whole point. You're never, ever going back. Now, that's the amazing news we discovered last week when we looked at chapter 5, verse 20, where when you sin, you no longer go back into the old life. When you sin, now there is grace, abounding grace, 
to cover your sin. That's what it says in chapter 5, verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And so therefore, you get the question, can't you? So if that's the case, and there's always more grace, and there is, please take it from me, God absolutely loves to forgive you. The whole consequence of Jesus dying on the cross is to get the point across to you and me that God delights in forgiving you. Okay, isn't the case that when you sin, he gives you an old-fashioned look and he says, never again. When you sin, God delights to forgive you. But you know what's going to be said after that. What's going to be said is, okay, well, in that case, let's go on a sin spree. God likes it so much, let's make his day. Let's go and sin as much as we can so God gets the buzz out of forgiving us. Well, that's exactly what chapter 6, verse 1 says at the very beginning. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, by no means. Because... Paul's point here is why do you want to go and party in prison when you can party outside in a whole new life? That's the party that God invites you to. Why would you ever want to go to another one? Especially one that enslaved you in prison before. So better in chapter 6 verse 11 to, to wave two fingers if you like the old life so you can start living now the life you'll be living in heaven the Christian life now is a life where we delight to please God not because we want to somehow get him on our side but because we are anticipating what life in heaven will be like that's how we live the Christian life here and now. And that's the open road that's in front of us and we don't need to look back. We put the foot down, we go as much as we can into the new life God has created for us. So when temptation calls us back and says, come on, come on, uh, come back inside, uh, we've got uh, things we can do here, uh, you don't need to go back. You can wave two fingers at that. No, because you're not, you're not drawn back into prison life anymore. There's a whole new open road in front of you to be different. So when there are relationship tensions, you can start thinking, now how will I live this, how will I handle this relational difficulty in the new life? And the doors begin to open into a whole new way of handling relationships that we haven't done before. When it comes to making decisions on a day-to-day -day basis, we want to start thinking, now how will I approach a decision like this if uh, I was living in uh, the new country? What uh, uh, road will I take? And you begin to see how a whole new life opens up in front of us because the old life has died. God sees it that way. We need to see it that way too so we can see the new life that is real, that God has given us in Jesus. Number one point, live Jesus' new life. Second thing I want to say 
is be a free slave. Strange thing to say, isn't it? I'll tell you why I've said it in a moment. But Paul is well and truly aware that we can say, Paul, it isn't as easy as that, is it? See, I'm an addict to the old life. And I don't think I can break free as easily as Hannah did with those chains and just drop them. And we might just know what he means by that. And Paul knows what he means by that too, what we mean by that too, and he'll tell us a little bit more in that next chapter. But in fact, there was once a great eagle. And the great eagle was tied to a pole. And the great eagle had been tied to the pole for such a long time that all he ever did was to walk around the pole. And then one day, a new owner brought, bought the great eagle. And he told everyone that on a certain day, he was going to set the great eagle free. And so he cut the tie that was binding the great eagle to the pole. And you know what the great eagle did? He kept walking around the pole. And that addiction that, uh, to the old life that Paul describes here in chapter 6 is a slavery to sin. And he really is saying to us, how about you being a slave to a new master? In uh, chapter 6, verse 16, he talks about uh, being a slave to sin. When you present yourselves to anyone as being a slave, you are slaves to the one of whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So you're going to be one of two slaves. Everyone is a slave. What you don't get to choose is to be no one's slave. You will either be the slave of sin or you will be the slave of righteousness. Everyone. But if you think of that great eagle, being a slave to the new master is ultimately a freedom to fly. And that is the point that Paul wants to make. This is the freedom that we have. Now you might say, how do we have it? What will help my life to lift off, take off into this new life? Well, actually, verse 17 tells you what it is, the key. But it tells you in a way that might just seem a little bit wordy. What it says is, Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have taken off, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Huh? What does that mean? Be very careful, because what you might think it means is that you're no longer listening to one master, you're now going to listen to another master. You just swapped bosses, that's what you might think. But what Paul is talking about here is being committed to this teaching. So you've got to ask, well, what is this teaching that he's talking about? And the teaching that he's been talking about in this letter is the teaching of being justified by grace. 
It's grace teaching. So when we are committed to this teaching, we are committed to keep coming back to the love that God has for us in the Lord Jesus Christ and because of him. Therefore, we are always loved, we are never condemned, we always have an open door to live for the new master by living the life of the new master. And you might say, if I'm going to be a slave that's now living the master's life, how can you call that slavery? It's a strange thing, is it? That's why I say, be a free slave. But that's a contradiction in terms, isn't it? But I think that's why Paul is saying in chapter 6, verse 19, that he's using human terms. He's telling us that we've got natural limitations when it comes to taking all this in because, well, it's, it's, it's just uh, strange to use the same word but to describe two very different slaveries. That's human language, has its limitations. But as he says in chapter 6 verse 18, nonetheless, having been set free from sin, become a slave of righteousness. Think of it this way because it will really help you to take off. With the understanding of God's grace and this new standard of teaching and the fact that he loves you and as you feed yourself the, the gospel truth of grace and where you are because of him and what is, where you will be because of him. As you stuff your mind full of this truth, you will begin to say, ah, well, I want to be a slave of righteousness. And thinking of ourselves as a slave will actually help us, even though the vocabulary is a human term with limitations because it's describing something that is very different to what we normally think slavery means. So there'll be times, as Hannah said, when we uh, want to go back. Remember those Israelites when they left Egypt? And uh, boy, they hated life in Egypt, didn't they? And then they come out of Egypt and the Egyptians come after them and they say, we want to go back home as fast as we can. And you think, but that's slavery. Yeah, but we liked it then. We remember the cucumbers. <laughs> Great. Well, Paul wants to say, doesn't he, in verse... Uh, uh, 19 he says look those days weren't so great were they uh, <clears throat> you were presenting your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness leading to more lawlessness in verse 21 what fruit were you getting at that time from the things for which you are now ashamed really you thought that was a great life And just life got worse. But when the eagle takes off, the new slavery of righteousness lifts you, in verse 19, to righteousness that leads to sanctification. You can see the flight going up, can't you? This is the new life. This is takeoff life. 
when you think of yourself as a slave to righteousness from now on, will you think of yourself as a slave? You just need to know that when you think of yourself as a slave, you're describing yourself in human terms. It's not exactly that, but it helps to think that. So what can we learn from this tonight and take home? Well, first, if you're not a Christian, can I suggest that the greatest kidology around is to think that following Jesus is slavery and not to be a Christian, that's freedom. We're just kidding ourselves. All we're doing is we're walking around the pole and we repeat the patterns of the old life. What the AA call, if you know Alcoholics Anonymous, what the AA calls a dry drunk. That is, they've managed to lose a particularly uh, unhelpful habit, but they are still the same people wanting uh, what uh, they didn't have before. And people are like that, aren't they, around Dagnum, we go around the estate. How often have we heard people say, you know, I want to leave Dagnum, I want to start a whole new life, I want to go to Spain. Uh, part of uh, Rob's plan to reinvent ourselves or whatever it is. Um, and if only I can get this new life, then everything changes for me. I'm in a new place. No. You may be in a new place, it's just the pole has been relocated and you'll end up walking around it. The ties haven't come off and um, the, the old patterns will be once again repeated. Nothing will change. Slavery is slavery. The only way you can escape slavery is to be someone else, having died to get his new life. Well, it may be that we've done uh, church a few times. And I wonder if church can be described in that kind of picture that ultimately all churches you go to have got this little message, come and we'll help you to become like us and uh, uh, join us and uh, we'll teach you how uh, to be... Um, how to be uh, like the rest of us. We'll introduce you to the new life that we all have. And uh, uh, the answer is that actually it's a life that in the end is helping people. Maybe on the outside to be respectable, to be good and moral, but then you go to churches and that essentially is what they're telling you all the time. How to be a nicer, better person. And I think this is the difference, you see. A lot of people say the key to Christian life is to see how Jesus lived and then to follow his example. That, I think, is a standard message that gets doled out on Sundays. See how Jesus lived, follow his example. What Paul's saying is, see how Jesus died. And then comes back to life to give you that same new life that he had. But religion doesn't normally like going down that road because ultimately religious, religion I don't think ultimately feels, if you remember the religion you and I have had in the past, probably you probably agree with this, but religion in the end doesn't feel 
that grace works. You must have the rules if you're going to change. And that's why religion always fails. Because only grace works. Only grace can properly, deeply change someone. And religious rules never will. So if you come from a kind of churchy background, uh, we need to uh, <coughs> put out the bins and everything that we've learnt about grace uh, uh, in them and then pick up uh, the Bible and see how grace really is a change of person as we go from being dead to being like Christ. Only grace sets people free not to sin. But if you are a Christian and you're struggling with sin, then let me put it like this. Justification by faith mustn't just be a ticket in the pocket understanding of grace. That is, I've got my ticket in my pocket and one day I will get to heaven, but until then I'm stuck where I am. I'll change when I get there. Until then, I've got my ticket. But Paul wants us to think differently. He wants to, us to see that there is a new door opening in the prison that we can walk out of. We don't have to just simply walk around the pole. We can become a slave of righteousness. Now look, a lot of us have been walking around the pole so long that when we take off and fly, we do come crashing down again as well. Our wings are somehow without muscles and we fall to the floor and can hurt ourselves in the process. But what we need to do is to always keep our wings up with grace blowing through the windstream. And we need to remember again and again and again when we fail how much God has forgiven us, how much God has loved us, how much God, never, God will never put us outside. And in that gratitude we need to say, so how can I, uh, with all God's grace helping me, be a slave to righteousness in this particular battle that I'm in? What will me being a slave to righteousness look like in this particular area of struggle? You see, here's the thing. If God sees that you are a person who is dead to the old life and you are now alive to live Jesus' life, if God sees you that way, that is reality. It's not how you see yourself. We need to learn how to see ourselves in the reality of uh, God's uh, word and his view. And chapter 6 and verse 11 as a summary wants us to see ourselves in that way. So also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The new life has started. The new life of another person has started in you. You've got the open road in front of you in this new week. 
go out and soar with the truth of grace uh, that God loves you that you might become a slave of righteousness uh, which isn't really slavery at all but it's a good way to think let me stop there and uh, maybe have one minute when we can pray and then after that so you talk to God about whatever take home this has for you and do that in a minute of quiet silence and then I'll try and summarize one prayer for all of us at the end of that minute and then we'll have some questions and answers and um, there might be things there that are slightly confusing and you might like me to uh, say a bit more we'll see let's pray first in a moment of quiet uh, you pray then I'll pray let me pray father we do want to thank you that we don't see reality the way we should see it often we see one week much like the last week and we can see ourselves as walking around poles doing the same thing again and again and again and we pray Lord that you would please help us from Romans 6 to see reality in a whole new way that life next week is not just uh, walking around uh, the same path but help us to see that it is in every way a practice for the new life that one day we'll live with Jesus please help us this week to take off and soar because of his love for us his commitment to us and his gift to us and please help us father to be slaves of righteousness whenever decisions need to be made whenever temptations need to be fought please help us to think of ourselves in these new ways that we may live in the reality that you have created for us and we pray in Jesus name Amen